Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Blade Runner 2049, directed by Denis Villeneuve and released in 2017. The plot of the movie goes something like this. A young Blade Runner's discovery of a long-buried secret leads him to track down former Blade Runner Rick Deckard, who's been missing for 30 years. Um, and as we have been doing, uh, a little quick spoiler-free section. Uh, in answer to the question, do I think people should see this? No, I do not. I'm, uh, I'm not a big fan. Uh, 2049, I think, stands for how many minutes long this movie is, which is one of its problems. Um, it's got some... A bit like the original, it's got some redeeming features, but it is way, way, way too long. But this one has some really problematic sexism and objectification of women. This one, going Blade on. R- the original Blade Runner still has plenty of sexism going yeah, on. Yeah, but in comparison, like I the think original the- Blade Runner, which I watched last night, has like maybe, it has two particularly problematic scenes, one with a sex worker and one where he kind of rapes Sean, Sean Young's character, but both of them are there's considerably less of it than there is in this one. There, I there remember is no Chris being bot. really um, um, oh, objectified is, as yeah, well. Yeah, and her death is pretty bad too. Uh, Daryl Hannah being objectified is something I remember specifically from the first one. Anyway, um, I mean, I suspect if, that if you like – prostitution sort of angle. If you like the first one, you probably will want to go and see this, but we didn't enjoy it and we saw it with a not particularly full cinema but with a very disengaged audience – there was coughing and moving around and leaving early and wandering off to the toilet and sighing and not just from us. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I thought you were going to ask me the question, I was just going to be like, it doesn't matter what we think. You guys are going to see this movie anyway. I mean, most of the yeah. audience is probably going to see this because it's a movie that is really kind of zeitgeisty. And, mm, and I think film people, people will see this. Are going to see. Um, and it does look good. Mm. Um, if you are happy to just watch a movie that looks pretty for a couple of for nearly three hours, then you can go see it. But I just don't think it's uh, and much like the original. I think it's wildly overrated. But yeah, so we should get into the spoiler territory. Yes, let's do that. So if you haven't seen it yet, uh, come back when you have. Um, yeah, okay. Just my god, I think I was most bothered by how long and boring it was, which is my problem with the first one, but. Fucking hell, this one is so – just I saw so many naked women. But the thing that got me offside was really early on when Ryan Gosling comes home. There's also a stripper in the first one that gets killed while – or tries to kill him while she's naked and then – That's the yeah, first the, the first, the kill. first the kill. same person. Yeah, I remember the same now. one that when I talk about the – Sorry. Yeah. Um, also, also, I think, a sex worker. But the, the thing that really gets me, though, is that Ryan Gosling comes home and he has literally installed in his house a 1950s housewife to take yeah. care of his every whim. And it was so icky and unpleasant. I'm just Well, I don't even know if he chose that. It seemed to me that he was, like, given her for doing his job and things. It seems like the sort of thing that he just gets given. Because I feel like he didn't have a huge amount of control over his life. Right. Um, and I, that's So almost- I got the idea that it was something that just, like, most people who have a job would hire that person yeah. to live in their house and that that but um i was robot. sort of looking at it as this almost like it's almost worse cuz she's just a prize for him doing his job yeah. as a man it, it's but it's also gross, gross if he buys her the whole but, thing is i mean the whole thing is so like ponderous and thinking about all these big questions but the problem is with a lot of this kind of sci-fi is that yeah it's it's always like theoretically it's about these big questions what makes us human but it's really only about what makes us white male human 
always straight white male human. That's all it's mm. about. It doesn't care about what makes women human. It puts them into the same boxes and makes them just as disposable as they've been since 35 years ago, 35 years ago when Blade Runner mm. came out. Yeah, and <clears throat> since Blade Runner's as old as I am. Yeah, since, you know, forever um, in yeah. sci-fi. And, it's, and I'm especially disappointed in Denis Villeneuve after he did Arrival last year, which completely flipped that kind of script on its head mm. and was very much about, a non-sexualized woman being the hero and getting to make all of the big choices and having agency and all that sort of thing mm. and doesn't have, um, you know, sexualization and objectification and all that stuff. And this movie just is all about that. But I think that most of those things are just expanded from the first one. I feel like a lot of it, most of the problems that I had with this movie are just all the problems I had with the first one, only it's like seven hours longer. Yes, so everything yeah. is bigger and more. Yeah. And having watched the first one last night, because the first time I saw it, I'm pretty sure I fell asleep and missed a good chunk of the movie, because that, that, which tells you how exciting I found it. Um, so I watched it again last night and like, you know, put toothpicks on my eyelids and or turned my phone off and all that kind of stuff so I could watch it. And I completely agree. Everything that annoyed me in the first one annoys me more in this mm. because there's more of it. Let, let's take even longer, more languid, pretty shots that uh, have absolutely no point. Let's have even more morally ambiguous sex scenes. Let's have even more naked women who we don't need to see naked. Mm. And let's have an even creepier, um, you know, rich man who's creating this whole thing. Yeah, it is. It's a lot of that sort of stuff. Um, so the I, I'm going to go into a little bit of the actual movie. Um, and some of the thoughts I have going along the way. I think it's interesting that they they just tell us that he's a replicant, like right off, Ryan Gosling's character, Kay, is a replicant right off the bat. There's no kind of question throughout the movie about that. Well, um, unless you buy the – well, unless you believe like he does that he has been given – like that he was born, like as in Sean Young gave birth to him. But he's still he's still part replicant even if that's true. Yeah, but that's the whole point. Or is, maybe it, entirely that, replicant. But if that is true. the case, if he has been born, which is the whole question of the movie, then what does that make him? He may he may not necessarily be fully human, but it also means that he's in a different category than that's replicant. true. And he, but we, you know, we find we out find out that that's not the case. But you do believe that for a portion of the but movie. But the reason that I was going to comment on that was because um, it means that the movie is expecting you to be on side with the replicants right away. Mm. The movie is expecting you to be on their side straight away, which is not something that the original one was subtle about. It, it was very clear that it wanted you to see replicants as being mm. equal to humans. But this movie doesn't even have – there's no bones about it. You just have to believe right away that and, – and it's interesting because it just sort of – it actually kind of removes a lot of that moral ambiguity and mm. therefore the questioning kind interesting of, questions the interesting some of the interesting questions aren't there mm. the interesting questions are i guess slightly different in this one but it also means that you you have to be on the robot side straight away yeah um or not they're not robots but the replicant side straight away yeah and um, i mean i guess in some ways they're trying to sort of say this even though it's 35 years later 30 years later in movie time you know, this is a direct sequel. You're supposed to finish watching the first Blade Runner on side with the replicants. Mm. Yeah, and that's just an interesting idea that you, there's no ambiguity. Mm. And it means that really there's no ambiguity in the first scene when he kills Drax. <laughs> there's no ambiguity. You are supposed to be like, oh, he shouldn't do that. Yes. 
which puts him immediately on the back foot, I think. Mm. But it also makes him kind of nicer than Rick Deckard because he's like, oh, I don't want to kill you. Um, yeah, but it also makes it weirder because he's a replicant killing replicants. Yeah. So, I mean, Deckard was but a human. But there's this whole look, thing with obeying and mm. stuff. Well, Deckard thought he was a human. We still don't know if it's true. But Well, he <sighs> aged, so... I don't know if robots they, age. They age, though, I think. Yeah, it seems like... Because Dave rep- Bautista's age and the other the woman yeah, with the one replicants, eye. It does appear replicants do age. Um, it Just that, that Sean Young wasn't allowed to. She had to die heroically in childbirth, of course, after the miracle human replicant pregnancy. Yeah. At the beginning of the movie, I was wondering if maybe they just didn't want to bring Sean Young back. And that's um, entirely possible. She's which had, I, like a drinking problem and all that kind of been through rehab and all this kind of stuff. I guess. Well, she's also been notorious for having some serious problems, like with being with her behavior on some sets. Her behavior that, on some sets, um, <laughs> according to Charlie Sheen and notorious predator James Woods. But yes, but after that, after that, those ones. I, I later on. I, anyway, we just went looking for some, and I can't find any other examples than. Those two and her at the Directors Guild Awards where she admits to being drunk and yeah. disorderly. But anyway. Um, yeah, so th- I don't know. But th- I just thought it might be that there might be some issues they with might not bringing Sean Young her. Bat- yeah. back. And, uh, yeah, not everybody's quite as, you know, willing and able and easy to get back as Harrison Ford is for all of these movies, mm. I think. I mean, he probably costs a lot of money, but he's also like very workmanlike and does yeah, his job. Yeah, he'll show up stuff. and he'll do the press tour and he'll – be professionally grumpy, which he likes doing. <laughs> but also he Have comes back stories. into these roles and he remember, like he, he brings these roles back. Mm. This is a different sort of character to Han Solo in Star Wars. It's a different, so he, he kind of, he, yes. um, and it's people are kind of getting their use out of him now, I think. Yes. <laughs> it's sort of what's going on at the moment. I just think it's interesting because it was, in this movie we see young Sean Young. Mm. Um, they bring her back with CG exactly the way they did with Carrie Fisher at the end of Rogue One, mm-hmm. which just kind of got me thinking about Harrison Ford and these actresses and how women are not allowed to age on screen and men are. Yeah, except that they did bring Carrie Fisher Carrie, back. They did bring Carrie Fisher back for the Star Wars movie, that is true. And she does look significantly different to when she was Leia and mm-hmm. they didn't they got her to lose weight. <laughs> but they, they did But they did bring her back. Yeah, and, and they, I think and they do that they with brought, men as well. Yeah. But they definitely brought back, you know, Harrison Ford and um and Mark Hamill and yeah. let them be older and so, yeah. Um, but they do that with men all the time. I think it's just um, with Star Wars at least they did bring Carrie Fisher back and they didn't bring Sean Young back and I was sort of – I'd be interested to see why, whether it's because they don't want women to age or – because they do Cause they bring brought her back, back um, Edward James Olmos too, briefly, very briefly. Very briefly. Um, for, you know, you'd wish he would be more. Yeah, there's a definite problem with men of colour in this movie as well. There's so much – it's just so regressive. And, you know, we saw um, – what was the other movie this year that it reminded me of that's so sexist and so unnecessarily sexist? Anyway. Um, oh, It, when it was yeah. more sexist than the original, which was made in the in 1990 or whenever it was. Mm. And this is the same. It's more sexist than the original was. Well, I mean, the thing is we keep talking about that. The movies from the 80s and 90s uh, were more progressive than a lot of what we're getting today. But Blade Runner wasn't progressive. No, but it's more progressive than its own – like, it's still more progressive than its own sequel that's made now. that's crazy to me. You know, you've got – it was Barkhad Abdi, right? It was in, like, two seconds of this movie. Yeah, yeah, one scene of it. And he's just a shady dealer 
mm-hmm. like that's all he gets to do. And and there's another black guy who's keeping slaves. Well, you also pointed like, out to me. full on keeping slaves. Yeah. I was like, Jesus, really? That's, it's so awful. Yeah, yeah. Just, um, he's like using children as slaves. Yeah, he's horrifying. He's the orphanage keeper from Oliver. By the way, that's the re- that's the moment when I figured out that the child who actually was Harrison Ford's kid was a girl mm. because the girls had hair and the boys all mm. had ha- shaved heads and the kids who went after the, him in the memory Were, all had shaved yeah. heads, but he had hair. Or she rather, it she was, had hair. Yeah, her um, memory, and she had the hair. I just thought, yeah, yeah. Anyway. No, yeah. I figured out a lot of the twists in this movie before they happened, but I didn't know it was that woman specifically. I should have figured that out. Mm. But she was in it so briefly. But then Mm. I also feel like I should have figured it out because I think that was probably my favourite, one of my favourite scenes. Like it was just this weird breath of fresh air and she was so lovely. Yeah, it was actually. um, And I didn't realise how that that was supposed to be important until later. And then I was like, oh, it felt like that on purpose. Yeah, and it really was because so much of this movie is a real slog. Yeah. It's a real slog to get through. And it's, oh, my God, there's so many unnecessary scenes. You were lucky enough to go to the bathroom for one of the more <laughs> unnecessary scenes, which is the one where <laughs> um, where Kay's uh, robot, yeah, robot love bot actually hires him, a human sex worker, who he has met previously. And then they have this, like, ten-minute thoroughly unnecessary seduction scene where the two women merge and then take off their clothes and it goes on for so long. Here's a and weird it's horrifying. Thing. I could not figure out if she, he was supposed to be able to touch her or not. So he can't touch the ro- – that's, the, the, that's literally the only thing the sex scene, sex scene tells you is that he can't touch the robot lady, so that's why she hires the human sex worker and then they merge – so that he See, can touch her. See, it's really weird because earlier than that, you can't tell, and she feels like what raindrops stop on her skin. But they, but they also make her her um her skin go weird. Yeah, they do, like, but like flickery. if the raindrops stop there, how oh, come? Okay. So anyway, that that ten minute useless scene actually had one point. That was the point. Oh God. Anyway, um, but that but that's only you, one example. Have there, you seen her? Yes, it made it's me think exactly of that. exactly the same yeah. thing, right? Yeah, it made me think a lot about her, actually. Um, her, well, her handles all this stuff in a much more um, humanistic and delicate way yeah. while still being centred on a white guy, of course. But yeah. um, it's still much, much better handled than this movie does. But there are also just like really long, unnecessary shots. There's a shot where Ryan Gosling's when he leaves um, the red-headed girl, whose name I've forgotten right now, Harrison Ford's daughter, um, when he leaves her, he walks out to his flying car and he just kind of – it starts to snow and he just like stares at his hand and the camera follows it for like three because seconds it's too long. But he But he stares at his hand for like too long yeah. and then the camera pulls back and we just watch him standing in the rain staring at his hand like – you needed him to stare at his hand for like one second and then we move on to the next scene. No, they want you to no, remember it because it's we had to have, that bit. No, we had to have like 30 seconds of him faffing about in the snow. There's so many scenes like that where you're just like, this did not need to be this long. Yeah, it didn't. There's, there's a lot of no. it didn't definitely didn't need to be as long as it is and it's so, um, yeah, it's kind of a drudge. I, mean, I know it's pretty, guys. I get and, it. Like, and it gives you plenty – at least it gives you plenty of time to work out what the mystery is. <laughs> yeah, the work God, yeah. Because you figure in, it out so early because you've got plenty of time to think. Yeah. And in rewatching um the first one last night, I did appreciate that there were some interesting big themes in it. Um, But I just was really annoyed with how long it took to kind of, you know, get to deal with those. 
but add an extra 45 minutes of runtime to it. My Is it only God. 45 minutes extra? Yeah. It felt like a lot more. Oh, God. It was – seriously, we were young women when we went in. Like, I was 28 when we started watching this movie. But the, all the interesting thematic stuff from the first one, whatever redeeming features that it has, and, and it's not a perfect movie, but it has some interesting, I think, thoughts, and it's a very interesting post-apocalyptic world to think about now as well as well as when it was made but my god there's so much other crap in this movie that i can't like to get to the redeeming stuff is just you really have to work for it yeah i mean yeah and i just i still think to this day that there's a like snobbery involved in loving blade runner that's like oh it's so deep yeah you guys everybody has to like it because it's so deep and I'm like, well, these are all themes that have been explored before. And it might be just because I read the book before I saw the movie um, and things like that. But they're not themes that were new to Blade Runner. What does it mean to be human? Things like that are not unique to that movie. I mean, bloody 2001 A Space Odyssey did it in the 60s. Like, that's not new. And it was also long and boring. And it was also but much boring. less sexist. No, remember because they had oh, all, the only yeah, women in space were fanbots too. Yeah, and yep. the only women in space were um were um flight attendants, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's others. right. They had Pan Am as well, and that was after a Russian woman, woman had gone to space. Yeah, um, like honestly, yes, uh, it's it was kind only of, less sexist than I, the idea that there's no women for ages. I think there's also like this idea about what is the canon of good movies, and. It correlates very, very closely with what was popular when white baby boomer men <laughs> were coming of age or young people themselves. Like 2001 A Space Odyssey is actually a good example of that. But even like the Godfather movies, which are perfectly fine and I quite enjoy, again, really long, all about men, hugely violent. Like there's a very particular like if and, – and then it happens in our generation too or maybe the one above us where there's a certain – type of young man who came of age at a certain time, usually around the time Return of the Jedi was coming out, and, like, they've got a very particular idea about how movies should be and it's all about male heroes and uh, boys' own adventures and things like that. And I, I wonder if that is is part of it too, that snobbery of also, like, these are this is the particular set of default cultural assumptions that you should have if you're a, you know, a default know cultural that, critic. That's sort of the... It's the snobbery of like this is a smart movie, and if you don't like it, you don't get it. That's that's yes. That's more the kind of thing that like you know, and it is still pervasively white males who like of a certain age who do decide mm. that and who mm-hmm. are the gatekeepers of that. But it is that kind of snobbery of if you don't like, and this is the thing that I think one of the reasons why I get so cranky about Blade, not my not liking Blade Runner and being told that it's a classic all the time, is that it's this kind of. That idea, oh, if you don't like it, you don't get it. I'm like, no, I understand it. I'm quite smart. I just don't think it's as good as you do. Yeah. And it's that kind of thing where people just argue like, with you and you're like, oh, you're dumb oh, if so, you don't so get it. So Blade Runner, the original Blade Runner, I know we're talking about the sequel, but the original Blade Runner has, in its favour, it has a very strong understanding of film history and film grammar and um, what came before it. And... It is possible that it brought some of those ideas to some people for the first time. And certainly uh, from a sort of visual effects perspective, it was building on that sort of era in the 70s when visual effects really blew up, Star Wars and mm. Alien. 
it, it came after those, but it also kind of came in, in it came early enough in the journey to modern special effects that it is hugely influential over modern mm. sci-fi and modern special effects. So it does have a legacy and it does have a place. It's just it's just not the greatest thing ever. No, that's it's that's overrated. My, is, yes, it's yeah. overrated is, is my problem. whole thing. It's just it's just that it's overrated. Like I'm not saying it's a terrible movie, even though I didn't really enjoy it. And I'm primed to enjoy that movie. Like I love noir and sci-fi i like them when they're together i like harrison ford you like, love the 80s i love the 80s ridley scott no you love alien i love alien <laughs> but i know you know early hit ridley scott i'm still hit, hit or miss on and now but yeah i would at that time in when i was at uni i was primed to love this movie and that's when i first saw it and i didn't love it and it was a huge disappointment because i was like i don't understand why everybody mm. to me there's like two good scenes in that movie like the one where he goes to that place and it's all pretty <laughs> and like you know the anyway and oh then, to um tyrell's place yeah, where yeah, he yeah. first meets rachel yes that and um it's been a long time since i saw this movie and tears in the rain mm. those are the good scenes in that movie uh, to my memory i also really like remember liking daryl hannah in spite of the fact that she was sexualized and she treated badly yeah like she was kind of fun and she was um a gymnast and she seemed to delight in being a replicant yeah like she was happy to be a replicant that's she was why, interested in um the man's crazy house of dolls that's why my favorite character in this movie apart from the one girl we saw for th 30 seconds was um the bad like the bad guy woman who like every yeah, time yeah. she showed up i was like oh at least it's gonna be fun mm -hmm. <laughs> for like five minutes because she enjoyed you know, doing her job and yeah. being horrible. She liked it. And that first kind of violence from her comes out of nowhere and then it's really interesting to watch her. Mm. Um, the scene with her and Robin Wright was really fun to watch. I could have watched a whole movie where it was those guys being the heroes instead, you yeah. know? Like, but we don't get that because women don't have internal lives, apparently. They don't get to have... Like, it's, it's only, you know, Jared Leto gets these long monologues and then Sylvia Hooks, I think, is the actress. Mm. I don't remember the yeah, character. Yeah, Love. Love. Mm. Um, yeah. goes out. He's and even does all the even worse than Tyrell, who who's like name at least gave her a name, you know, Rachel. But no, no, love. That's what <laughs> I'm gonna name her. Yes, um, Jared Leto. Well, he gave he gave you a name. You must be special. Um, but yeah, it um, it's just like she still doesn't get any kind of speech about her motivations. She never mm. gets to talk about why she wants to do things. The only to only sort of hint of that we get is when she's talking to Robin, right? Yeah. And she's like, oh, you believed him because you think we won't lie, but I'm going to lie. Yeah. And then, oh, God, and she murders two other women horribly and then gets horribly murdered herself. Is it only two? Well, the like one, there's more, but there might be more, <laughs> it's but probably only two. We, the ones that are really sort of on screen and affecting are, the, are Robin Wright and then um, Sean Young. Yeah. So or I thought there was CG another Sean one in one. the middle, Young. but maybe I think not. Probably, there may well be, but I can't quite think of it. Well, I mean, she murders Joy. Like by killing her. Yes, stick Joy thing. is the other one that yeah. I was thinking so of. So she murders like three women. She murders horribly. three women because Joy is the main love interest, and she yeah. sh she murders her. Yeah, I think Robert, the Robin Wright and um and Sean Young ones are a bit more visceral, but yeah, she does horribly murder three women. Yeah, and then get horribly murdered then herself, gets, yeah. which is just by our hero. Yep, <laughs> who then gets to choose his own like terribly affecting, you know this like self-sacrificing death that oh. he has when all these women have just been brutally murdered <laughs> great mm -hmm. good for you buddy the and the, he murders I mean, her you want to talk about privilege he murders that's her privilege. as well like he kills her mm. but 
he waits longer than he needs to and holds her under longer than he needs to. And, I mean, this whole movie runs on longer than it needs to. But the look on his face as well, that's not like manslaughter or self-defence. He's enjoying that too. Well, she did. Yeah, she was, she was yeah. all horrible. So right, but I don't like. I see. This is the mm. thing. I don't. I like bad women in movies. I like when women get to be the like muscle and mm. things. It's it's good because it you don't see that very often. But I also would like it if they got to have like you know motivation and mm. story and things. Um, yeah, but I also anything other than just great. Quotes. I don't actually mind if there's a fight between a woman and a man that is like equal for most of the time, and then he wins. That doesn't bother me very much because, for me personally, because I'm like, well, at least she gave as good as she got. She shot him, and she, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And like, I like it when women get to be tough and cool and strong, mm. right? And if that ends in the hero killing them, well, we've had, you know, the hero killing male muscle for ages. And Sylvia Hooks is the only woman who's not sexualized in this movie. And then she bloody kisses him after she nearly kills him. It was weird. That was so weird. Well, so I'm like, why? Why do you have to make this sexual when she's just not been the whole time? It's so irritating. Also, this movie is really pro-guns. This is like all the bad guys like knives and the good guys like guns. Mm. I just wanted to <laughs> mention that because I suddenly thought of it. Um, mm, yeah. Which is a weird trait. It's very American, I think. It's, it's so strange. Like you would sort of think you'd be going for the underdog, the I one who brings the knife to the gunfight. No, I think it's because knives are like sneaky, you know. God. And women are inherently untrustworthy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I honestly thought that Joy was going to have led – the bad guys to them mm-hmm. when he was like, mm-hmm. "Who else did you bring?" No, no, it was the uh, no, it was the human sex worker who led them to him. Did she? Yeah, she put a tracker. Then when when she's getting up in the morning after the unnecessary ten minute sex scene, no, she, she led the no, she her put a tracker. You saw him put it, her put a tracker yeah, in his clothes, but that was her her people. What led um, love to him was she um, when she was logged she on the computer rights computer. Yeah, yeah. yes. But I, I thought for a moment that they were going to have it that she was tracking the Joybot yeah. and the Joybot was the one who ended up, like, accidentally betraying him. Mm. Um, no, she – I mean, the sex worker, um, poor man's Pris is what I was calling her in my head because <laughs> she even has the same look. Yeah, yeah, like, she does. Exactly yeah. the same. That's what they were going for. Um, she was just doing what she wanted to for her. it's not 1982. She was doing her own thing for her cause. Yeah. Go for it. That's mm. fine. <laughs> yeah. Like, and they don't – it's not like he trusted her in the first place, so mm. – but yeah, yeah. No, she plants it on his coat, which his the coat coat game, the costume game, is one of the things I would call out for praise in this movie. Ryan Gosling's really well costumed because you can recognize him by his silhouette. Mm. He shows up in silhouette a couple of times, and you recognize him by that coat, which is very iconic and a very good thing to do. Um, and Love also has a really cool coat that's like mostly white with a little mm. bit of black, which also looks totally badass. And like her hair design and things, you like mm. as soon as you see her, you're like, oh, it's- it calls back to Rachel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, that's the other thing I was going to talk about a while ago when we were talking about film noir and how, and you were talking about the good film grammar. Um, the film noirs that I've seen always had really good femme fatales, mm. like really great performances and classics that you remember often more than the hero. Mm. That's not the case with the 1982 Blade Runner. No. Sean Young was so bad in that movie to me. And you're like, she's playing a robot. I'm like, yeah, but the yeah, see, other I robots didn't, have I didn't lots have, of effect and she came after them. I didn't have a lot of, of trouble with her. I mean, I, but I also can't imagine another person in that role. Like I, I think that character works best slightly robotic. 
it's not that she's even listening to the like the recording. Mm. I was like her line readings. I was like, Jesus, like it's just it's not just robotic and flat. It's like because I've seen robotic and flat done really well, and it's just kind of awkward. Mm. And then you know because Ryan Gosling goes, oh, she likes him, and I'm like, based on what? Mm-hmm. And there's more robotic and flat performances in this movie that are more effective than I. I don't know. I just yeah. You only really I just thought yeah, she was you, not good. Yes, you don't get the the he that she likes him until she's actually at his house and she takes her hair out. That's what's anyway. It's strange, but yeah, I, there's so many things in this movie that like I thought of, but I just can't. I'm so deflated at this point. It was so long, like. It just getting to the end of it was like, oh, oh we're done. That scene with Edward James Olmos was mm. written so they were going after that Deckard was a replicant thing so hard in oh, that scene. Oh, I know. When they talked, when he goes, there was something in his eyes that he wasn't long for this world, and mm-hmm. you know, um, he got what he always wanted, and he got reti- he was retired, which is what they talk. That, yeah, they yeah, say yeah. That, the de- the, what they do for like replicants. Every line in that was like Deckard's a replicant, Deckard's a replicant, Deckard's a replicant, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, this movie doesn't confirm or deny that. No, and and this movie, you know, its replicants are extremely human. So, of course, Deckard's retired to Las Vegas. Of course he has. But, okay, Edward James Olmos was not a replicant, right? No, so how no. So, did, how did he know to make all those unicorn things and stuff that ties together the theory of him, of Deckard being a replicant in the first place? I don't remember how that theory works. Uh, so. I don't either because I, when I watched it last night, I watched, like, a fixed up copy of the original, not the. Did they all dream of dream. unicorns? Nobody dreamed of unicorns. Um, but they didn't, or electric sheep. <laughs> um, but they, he just made little, you know, paper cranes or whatever, and left them at yeah. crime scenes. That was it was his calling card, and the unicorn was the is the calling card that he leaves at Deckard's place. The last time he goes back there with Rachel, and so he knows he and Rachel have to leave. Yeah, the other um moment that I really liked in this movie was when um. Love walks into Madam's office. She had a real name, apparently. Yeah. I don't know why. I th- but they always kept calling her Madam. I was yeah. weird. Which also is another word for a woman who runs a brothel. But anyway. Yeah. But, yeah, when she walks in and she's like, it's too dark in here and she turns the light on. Mm. I was like, thank you. Because the yeah. first half of the movie I'm sitting there going, why doesn't anybody ever turn so, the light on when they go was, into a room? This was something I noticed when I watched the original last night. Nobody ever turns the goddamn light on when they get home. Although in this one, Ryan Gosling turns the light on when he gets home for at like the first time he gets home and the first time we meet Joy. Mm. But that is the other other than the time other than love t- going turning on the light in Robin Wright's office. That is the only time anyone actually calls that out. It is a weird thing to do, especially when like, Drax gets home doesn't turn the light on. Is yes. it a replicant thing? Do replicants not like lights? Because there's Do they no not need indication lights? of that. Yeah, that's right. And then Jared Leto's character was apparently blind, but it was such a like. Pointless. Well, he had wacky contact lenses, and, yeah, he, and, no, that's, and that was why he the, was feeling up the poor newborn replicant yeah. in such a horrible way. But then, when he puts the thing behind his ear and the drones, he can see. Well, yeah. Well, they give him. They have like a camera feed into his head or something. But what then? Why do they need all those different Japanese label things? Why is everything written in Japanese, but everybody speaks English, and there's no Asian people in the movie? Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd be interested to know that too. That also carries over from 1982 when there's this whole Japanese aesthetic. And people speaking Japanese in the streets and occasionally German, but no Japanese people. The German thing was weird too. Yeah, why just why were those Germans. people in the desert speaking German? Well, um, because the idea is that Descartes actually says something along the lines of, oh, it's a street patois that's like a – he probably doesn't use the word patois um, – <laughs> that is like a mix of Japanese and German and some other language. 
So we, I recognize German and obviously I recognize Japanese, but I, it's like meant to be a bit of a mix of languages. But nobody in the main, none of the main characters speak Japanese. And no, Edward no, James almost speaks it in the original, but not in this there's one. There's no Asians. No. Nope. Why? And everybody in this movie, like we already said this, but everybody in this movie is white. There's mm. no reason for that. Why are all the mate? Why are all the important replicants white if they keep trying to show us that not all of them are white? It's mm-hmm. yep, very basic racism. And and you know, you, I think in the eighties they used to make these movies and they would like, you know, you'd always have like one Asian guy and one black guy in the team. Mm. The main guy would still be a white guy, but at least they'd have like lip service to diversity in some way. And they don't even bother with that anymore. They just put photos up on screen. Oh, yeah, they make rap- yeah. black and they And they didn't do that in the original Blade Runner either. There weren't any Asians in that team. The black slave owner made me angry. <laughs> I mentioned that before, didn't I? Yeah, you did. I but- was so angry when that first happened. I, was, I said out loud, I think, are you kidding me? I was like, that is disgusting. Mm-hmm. It's so disgusting. This yep. movie is so racist and sexist and awful. And people are just falling over themselves to praise it yeah, oh it's, it's weird so i thought so many i've seen so many people say oh it was so great i was so blown away i'm like by what were you were you blown away because you fell asleep or like <laughs> the dust storm that rages through the thing i don't like what were you blown away by it, it the aesthetic is great sure but is that it? it's three freaking hours of aesthetic yeah. plus like a really shitty put together plot and some of the aesthetic is just fucking tits yes uh, that's what i was gonna say a lot of that aesthetic i'm gonna need just the bleepy boots. button a lot in this episode a lot of that even when joy when we first see joy she changes outfit like six times like rihanna oh. in um like this this yes. all, a lot of people a lot of movies have this where it's like oh i can be whatever you want so i'll change my outfit for you and it's this Oh, it's so gross. Hmm. But then she goes up into the rain and she's wearing this little dress and then you can see her boobs through it. Of course, because if she's going out in the rain, she must wear the thinnest, most likely to go see-through outfit she owns. Right, of course. Which She can't wear her cool, like, cold-shoulder goth outfit. Well, but Which is my favourite. <laughs> she has a raincoat on when she's in that outfit a lot of the time. So why not wear that? It's so dumb. It's so dumb and it's so frustrating that like this is the way that these movies treat women that that you know it's all the same tropes as before she's a housewife there's mm-hmm. a, a whore mm-hmm. you know there's a there's a ball buster, ball buster. two of them yeah two ball busters who are my favorite madonna who dies and the, in childbirth yeah, exactly. heroically the Madonna and the whore and all that stuff. It's all there. Yeah. And and, and then gets to be killed on screen as well so yeah. that we really know that she died. Yeah. Oh, and, and like, and we also were introduced to her by finding her bones as well. Like, she gets no dignity in death at all, Rachel. Yeah. Well, they buried her and they left flowers for her. Yeah. This, I mean, yes. they That was supposed to be dignified horrible. it was them digging her up that was yeah. undignified it was their actions towards her after death it's also just like i mean i know it's a dystopia and and this is one of the more interesting dystopian worlds in that you actually do see the difference between rich and poor but like a woman dying in childbirth in 2019 is not a hugely common event i mean no but it you know it's because there wasn't any um help for them mm. because they were outlaws and on the run mm. but she had to die because she's did. a woman. But, yeah, all of that, I just – the whole thing would have been better if they'd only made Ryan Gosling a woman. Mm, yeah. If they changed nothing else but just made Ryan Gosling a woman, then 
all of the gays would be different because he'd be walking, mm. she'd be walking through that Las Vegas desert with all the like giant boob statues, and the gays would be a different gaze because it would be like, oh, this is you know, this Disturbing. is how people see me. Yeah, um, and oh, imagine her coming home to her 1950s housewife who'd done all the yeah. work for her and mends her shirt and makes her dinner and all that stuff. I know, right? And then like seeing her, or she could have naked like, and presenting to her is different. Or, it, everything is different. Or she could have come home. Imagine her, or you, or you could have flipped that script and had her come home to this like hot young man who takes yeah. off his shirt and mends hers, and yeah, yes, that would also either way, either way that works for me, right? Because because either way you're flipping the script exactly, but also like to, for her to have this genuine connection with Joy and then see the big fake that non-joy yeah. joy mm-hmm. would be a whole different experience from a woman's point of view, mm. and it would make it not like make Joy sacrifice not a sad moment for. Ryan Gosling mm. and that moment of her objectification, her massive objectification, not a sad moment for Ryan Gosling, but mm. for like their relationship and things. It would be mm. such a wildly different story if they'd only made one tiny little change and made Ryan Gosling a woman instead. Mm. Like make it Emma Stone or something. I don't care. <laughs> oh, she would have been, and she would have been so charming and sweet. Well, yeah, that too. Although I don't think charming and sweet is what they really no. want. You'd want somebody who's less, um, and that's and more that's, affectless. Uh, yes, and that's I mean somebody that's more whole, like young Robin Wright. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, she would have been she great. Been great. Um, and the whole the whole movie is is kind of like that. I noticed something I noticed about it, um, about Blade Runner when I was rewatching it was, um, this is Harrison Ford like in between Indiana Jones and Return of the Jedi, mm. but he doesn't he doesn't he's not styled to look hot like he is in yeah. both of those movies. Like both of those movies. You have given like a whole generation of young women a crush on him, yeah. And also, like late seventies Harrison Ford is so hot, yes. But he's not hot in Blade Runner because no. he's been styled to kind of you. See, you can see all his wrinkles, and you can see like his hair is really blandly, boringly cut, and all that mm. kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, that's all by design and stuff. But yeah, 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 all the women exactly look right. hot, and uh, we don't even get young Harrison Ford. So, had, <laughs> how it would be really interesting to get like. A young actress, like a um, you know who would be cool for it? Actually, it would be like a Catherine Waterston. Oh, she and would have be her. Great. I love sort her. of styled to look plain because she would. She's not vain. She wouldn't she be does, bothered by looking plain. You know, plain. blonde haircuts and stuff. Yeah, She'd be great. like have her with like a shaved head or something, and or really short hair and just sort of unitarian um sort of fashion as well. That so you you'd use the same jacket, yeah, and the same boots. I want to see this movie with Catherine Waterston in, in, in that role in now. The lead. That's, yeah, let's do that. It would make everything better. Yeah. And she's a contemporary she's of Ryan Gosling. She's better. the right age. <laughs> she's a better actress than he is. She would he's definitely all, he's take too a, old for this role. She take by a the way. Pun- oh, he, yeah, he's like thirty six or so. Isn't yeah, he? but so I think so is she. Like she's around that sort of age. Well, she, that, yeah, that's fine. But so, I'm just pointing out that he keeps being cast as thirty year olds, and he's thirty six. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, he's too old for this role. But yeah, Catherine Waterston remake this movie with Catherine Waterston in it, and I would she do that in a heartbeat. And it w- Imagine watching her take a punch from Harrison Ford. It would have been great. Yes, it would have. That would have been amazing. Mm. I want that movie now. You made me sad. Sorry. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, like just anything that – I I just – it's so frustrating Mm. to – and, like, you know, we've been these voices of, like, oh, Blade Runner's not that great for a long time. Yes, we have. Um, And then before I saw this movie, I was, like – apprehensive like i said because it was either going to be blow me away and completely change my perspective on blade runner in which case people were going to be crossing me like 
mock well, me no, for not or, liking it in or, the first place. Or you were going to have to like, you know, say, oh, maybe I was wrong. I yes. enjoyed this. Yeah. But even if I said that, people would still mock me. Um, or um, I will hate it and continue to be the pariah who hates Blade Runner. So it looks like it's going to be the latter. I will yeah. continue to Although be the pariah who we hates did, Blade Runner. We did discover the other day when we went on our radio show that we do regularly on a Monday here in Canberra that when there was an episode where it was the two of us and our co-host Travis and none of us were fans of Blade Runner. Yeah. And Travis, you know, is an older white man. Mm. And he was like, yeah, I think it's a bit overrated. Mm. So I don't think we're alone in the whole, yeah, Blade Runner's kind of overrated. No, I don't. And it is in my opinion, can, uh, my opinion has not changed. I continue to think mm. it's overrated and I think this movie is wildly overrated. But, mm. yeah, I'm just really sick of these movies being more sexist than the originals and nobody calls them out for it. No, they're like, oh, my God, it's so great. Well, oh, not I'm nobody because so I found that one article. But, like, mm. very few people are co- bothering to call out well, all of this I, terrible sexism. It's, it, I follow quite a few female critics or, or, like, you know, women who are like us. I have friends on, online mm. and they have all gone, yeah, there's some real sexist problems with this film. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just, you know – most of the stuff I've seen of Blade Runner before this, even on feminist websites that I've seen, yeah. has been very pro Blade yeah, Runner. But I, I, and I don't know if they that, think it's- no, There's a particular feminist website that we follow that I won't name, whose film reviews I have not agreed with in some time. Yes, I agree. But there's a um, it's like I don't know if people think that this is like um, satire or not satire, but you know, commentary on the way that we treat women. But because it is, I I can see that it's trying to be like to say, oh, you know, in a dystopian future, women will be treated even worse. Um, but our heroes won't treat women like that, except that they do exactly treat women like yeah. that. Um, but the thing is, we've watched other things where you, they use sexist tropes to prove how sexist the tropes are, mm. and this does not do that. No, it doesn't at all. It just uses sexist tropes. Yes. It's not clever. No. And that's the thing is walk, watching Ryan Gosling walk between a giant, two giant sets of tits is not clever. It's no. not satirical. Watching Catherine Waterston walk between the two giant sets of tits and just be like. Would have been interesting. Would have been interesting. Oh, God. And you know what? She would have done this instead of that terrible alien sequel. Would have been great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, I, I feel like there's more to say, but I don't know what because I'm just de- mm. drained. No, <laughs> like, that's fine. This was such a long I took a break in the middle of it and I was like, oh, my God, I've been in there for a million years. Yeah. It, it was just like a breather because it was just so much. Mm. And there were some good bits. I thought Ryan Gosling actually had some good scenes. Yeah, and it, it looks amazing. Like it really it, – it commits to the aesthetic of the original, but it also – it doesn't like – it nods to all the 80s-ness of the original, like the bad TV screens and all that kind of and stuff. The and the well, ads, which yeah. are very dated. There was Pan Am ads. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. Yes, and Atari. Um, and Atari, that's right. Yeah, yeah and, Atari, you know, other things that are still around like Coca-Cola. But um, it, it nods to that aesthetic and it does a good job of that uh, in ter- and in terms of like building it on, like as you know, making it the world 30 years later, what that feels mm. like. I think it does a, a pretty good job of that. <laughs> they never actually confirmed that that blackout was planned, did they? No. I'm 100% sure that blackout was like designed by someone, but – uh, probably. Um, I mean, humans, I don't know. The longer I spend on Earth, the longer you kind of it's n- you never suspect conspiracy when incompetence is more likely the cause. Yes, but, but not in a movie. Yeah, <laughs> in yeah. A movie, I mean, in a movie, it's a conspiracy. 
In yes, real life, it's probably it would be incompetence. Yeah, in real life, it would be incompetence. But in that movie, when they were like, "Oh, all of our records were conveniently destroyed by this blackout." Photos. Yeah, and when exactly? I'm, was, I'm sure you were adorable. That was funny. When <laughs> when exactly was this blackout? Because everybody in the last one has like print p- photos and print newspapers mm. and all that kind of stuff. So, w- did the blackout happen? Like, is it ten years ago? Fifteen? Twenty? Like, it just wiped out all of the inf- – and, yeah, there were – like Harrison Ford even gets a printout. And, like, Kay says before my time, which if he's a replicant, he's only been around four years, makes perfect But that's perfect what sense. he was saying, yeah. That's makes what he was saying. sense. But, yeah, like it's it's very unclear to me what exa- when exactly the timeline is on the, the blackout. Like, no, it, that it was definitely seemed- him going it was before my time in that I am a replicant yeah. and I am only about four years old. He yeah. was like they were hitting that theme really hard at that point in the movie. Still, yeah, um, um, yeah. Also, the aesthetic of this is slightly like there's certain things that are quite different from the original Blade Runner that seem more all like of Jared Leto's Alien world or like all of Jared Leto's. Oh world yeah, that's very, very modern. But yeah, very modern. modern. And like the the filing cabinets the, where they're walking down when we, yeah. that scene happens, and his sort of interior pyramid place where he hangs out. All that stuff is so. I Although I did really like the um, like ruined Las Vegas hotel where Harrison Ford's hanging out. That was cool. Yeah, that was cool. like very sort of mid twentieth century aesthetic. Um, which but that's cool because it's it's familiar yet alien. That was why it was so good. Yeah. Um, and it, it, I mean, and it in the sort of the way of Star Trek, where it's really obsessed with like mid twentieth century American culture. Like, if I did the maths in my head and I worked out that even. In it, like even at his current age, Harrison Ford's character Deckard wouldn't have been born when like Elvis or Frank Sinatra no. were big, but like but he could still also, like it. No, it, I mean it still made sense, and it, it made sense to put the you know old baby boomer music with the old baby boomer. But no, but they it put was it with also, Ryan Gosling as well. Ryan Gosling mm, liked Sinatra. Yes, he did. Um, and I just thought that was was I liked that whole aesthetic and oh, the dog. Who I'm calling Chewbacca, even though I don't know what his name oh, is. I called it Drunk Dog. <laughs> That's true. That's what it was, it was in my head after I drank that whiskey off the floor. That was Drunk Dog. Yeah. Anyway, this like adorable, obedient dog who doesn't die, thankfully, and who is very obedient. The um that all women have caretaker, like all women have caretaker abilities thing came into play with the Pris, um, pseudo Pris girl mm. taking in. She saves him, and then she, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, hook with a heart health. of gold and all women have nurturing ability. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every single freaking trope that you can think of is hit right on the head by this movie and mm. it's boring to, and frustrating and gross and I'm so tired of it. Mm. And it is like it's really hard to enjoy a movie when it you see so much of that going on. Yeah, like it's really hard to sit back and go, oh, yeah, because I would occasionally go, oh, yeah, this is interesting, that's interesting, you know, mm. and I'd be thinking about things. And but then, then you it get would just, taken out of it. pulled out of it by something awful that's unnecessary by, that oh, you don't need. Oh, boobs again. Yeah. Yeah. And men just don't, you know, think about that. No. And they should. Like you can't keep making these future movies and make the future worse than now is. No, that's not appealing. There's no, no like, like even when you're making a dystopia – there's that oh, – I think we already went over this, but, like, doing the thing that you're trying to satirize the dystopia for doing, you have to be really clear and clever about that. Yeah. You have to, you can't just 
put it there and expect that that's how it will be read. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. We're going in circles because it yeah. – Yeah. Did you want to give it a score or do you want me to go first? I don't know what to give it. I'm actually going to give it three stars and not because it's great or anything but because I can't – I think there's some good work in there and I don't want to give it a failing grade but it was not my personal cup of tea and I have some significant problems with it which we just spent a whole episode discussing. No, I think I'll just give it two and a half stars. I just don't think it – I just, you know – Everybody who is involved in this movie can do better, so I expect them to. Mm. Like, they they all can make a less sexist, racist movie. Than and this. have Dennis done. Dennis Villeneuve made one not long ago. It only came out last year. Not just made one. He made a sci-fi movie that was less sexist yes. and less racist. And, and yeah. y- you know, if you can do that, you then for that movie, you can do it for this one. Like... Get off your ass and start fixing things because I want to see movies where women get to be the heroes and look cool and have stories and have, you know, real emotional, like, what makes us human stuff without having to be sex bots. Like, Mm. you don't have to make every single woman either heavily sexualized or, like, completely um, militaristic. Mm. You don't have to. We exist in a spectrum in between those things. Oh, I hate it so much. I just really am sick of it. So, mm. no, pick up your act. I'm tired of it. Mm. Yes. Okay. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to read the show notes or find old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read Katie's review of Blade Runner 2049, uh, it's on her blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. And if you want to find us on social media, we're at screen underscore queens on Twitter. Facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens and Tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. But the first thing that comes to my mind is the Jared Leto birth stabbing scene. Uh, well, because that was like only like in the first three hours of the film. I've sort of forgotten about it. It wasn't in the last seven hours um, <laughs> where the other bits were, but yeah. And um, that one and um, – didn't annoy me as much as just, when I when he first came home to the Joybot as just well. Her killing everybody, like she kills her and then dies, and I'm like, Jesus! So the only woman who survives to the end of the movie is when we see him one scene, who mm. admittedly was. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll do this. Jared Leto didn't even die, did he? No, he just goes off to do, get to do whatever he wants. Okay. Hi, and oh, should I do it now? Yeah. Have you tested? It's why we've been talking. I've hit record when you started talking about okay. the movie.